You don't remember me, do you? I do, but I'm trying to play. Ruby Kager. You were a senior when I started Georgetown. Right. Kirby, how are you? I graduated. I always knew you would. And I'm a lawyer. Well, I mean, I'm a waiter studying to become a lawyer. Dale Beeman, I cannot believe it. You still like Woody Allen movies? Apparently, someone figured out how to get to Sesame Street, and then they set Elmo on fire. Obviously, targeted for his sainthood. All of that makes about as much sense as this week's movie about a whole bunch of thoroughly unlikable people. I wish Elmo got set on fire. Seriously, it would have made a better movie. This is the Pool Scene Podcast. We're not the Brat Pack, but I like to think that we are likable. I'm Kevin, as always, joined by Jim. Fuck, hey now. This week, we cover 1985 coming-of-age Brat Pack film, St. Elmo's Fire, directed surprisingly by Joel Schumacher. So weird. Directly before Lost Boys, eight years before The Awesome Falling Down, and ten years before his first foray into Batman, Schumacher directed this movie that centers on recent Georgetown graduates adjusting to adulthood. St. Elmo's Fire is the name of a bar where they all hang out. Despite that nonsense I set up Well, St. Elmo is the name of the bar. St. Elmo's Bar. Yeah. Yes. So despite that nonsense I said up top, the bar's name is not nonsense as it's actually named after a weather phenomenon where plasma is discharged from a rod-like object such as a ship mast, a chimney, or even an animal horn. Not the animal horn. He discharges green sweat and he is champion. It basically... Would it have shocked you if Horn was in this movie? Like he was one of their college friends. Dude, if this movie was exactly the same... With Horn. But one of the characters was Horn. Like Billy's best they friend They never is Horn. explain it. Nope. Let's make that movie. Every week, we're just going to come up with a we better movie. We have Robocop, and now we have Horn and St. Horn's Fire. We just never explain it. No. It's just, it's a it's reality. Everything is the same. What if, like, you know, Dale's boyfriend in this movie was Horn? What's the matter? Is Armstrong too yellow to come down and fight tonight? Horn is First off, her name's Dale, Dale. which throws me off because I'm expecting Kirby to make out with Dale Earnhardt. Kirby and Dale. Dale Earnhardt in Horn. Kirby and Dale sitting in a tree. Uh, S T A L K I N G. Yes. St. Elmo's fire is basically when an object becomes electrically charged and is an imminent warning for lightning strike. I you wish a lightning bolt struck my ass watching this. <laughs> so yeah, let's name your bar after that. <laughs> the Brat Pack was a nickname for a group of eighties actors who often starred together. The official members are often cited as Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, national football league fan, Rob Lowe, Andrew McCarthy, Demi Moore, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, and Ali Sheedy. Adjacent members sometimes included are Robert Downey Jr., which to me, he's in like more of these movies than those other people are, and James Spader. Sometimes magazines would include Charlie Sheen, which, which, uh... Yeah. This was a thing where, don't ask any of them about the Brat Pack, Andrew McCarthy said he wasn't in it. He said it was just a thing made up by magazines, and he said Tom Cruise and Timothy Hutton were more members than he was. Other actors linked to the Brat Pack, Kevin 
Bacon, Matthew Broderick, John Cryer, John Cusack, Joan Cusack, Nicholas Cage, Jamie Gertz, Mary Stuart Masterson, Sean Penn, Kiefer Sutherland, and Leah Thompson. If you go to Wikipedia, there's a neat little table that shows you which members were in which movies together, but it's basically this Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink, so on. So when I meet Kiefer Sutherland in December, I go, you were my favorite member of the Brad Pack Jack Bauer. He'll punch you. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I wish. Um, He's like, you watch St. Elmo's Fire? Sorry. Yeah. Jim, I don't necessarily want to spoil it for the audience, but you strongly dislike this movie now. I think a couple seasons ago, I mentioned, it's might have been like two years ago when my girlfriend and I watched this movie, and I'm like, this fucking movie sucks. I hate everybody. I don't care about the story. It's unlikable. Rewatched it again last night, and as we go along with this episode of the podcast, I will reveal my true feelings. And Jim, what is your favorite movie of all time? The Big Chill. So not the same movie. The first time I ever watched this, I thought, man, this movie really feels like the big chill. So interestingly, while researching, I found that Ned Tannen, who produced both this and the breakfast club, he referred to both this and the breakfast club as little chills due to their similarities with big chill. I don't think there's any similarity. This movie is the big chill. There's nobody in the big chill. I dislike they're in one spot. Their whole back character store, their whole back angle makes perfect sense. It's okay. So they always referred to like science. Seinfeld as a show about nothing. Yeah. It's just a bunch Which of characters show about nothing. Big Chill is a movie almost about nothing. I mean, it is it is a bunch of people in a house having conversations and advancing the plot through their relationships and situations. Yeah. St. Elmo's Fire is a movie about a bunch of conversations, a bunch of friends and how their relationships interweave. It's, it is the same movie in that sort of. But the problem I have with this compared to Big Chill is A, most of these people that are friends in St. Elmo's Fire feel like they should never have been friends to begin with i think that's kind of a logic issue early on is like we're never told how these people all met you have to assume it was at georgetown and you're thinking they spent at least a good four years together but it seems like they just spent senior year together in a class i met a lot of people i i like and still to this day from college but like i don't know it's not like this they're so diverse and different and all how they became friends yeah definitely the worst melting pot i've ever come across in my life yeah it really is no diversity Though. No diversity. Jim has been quoted as saying the best part of this movie was John Parr's song from the soundtrack called St. Elmo's Fire, parentheses, Man in Motion. number one. Which hit number one on the Billboard Top 100. I love this. Parr explained in a speech at the Children's Choice Awards that he did not care to be providing music for the film. I don't think he really wanted much to do with it. The song was actually written for Paralympian Rick Hansen. Canadian. Man in Motion referred to the wheels of Hansen's wheelchairs. Yeah. You learn something every day. It's a cool story. Jim, you had the Brat Pack, a number one song from the soundtrack, but did the movie make any money? Please give us budget, box office news, and number ones at time of release. From WUAB, Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. I was a man in motion running to the bathroom to get myself away from this movie that came out on June the 28th, 1985 to a $10 million budget. And it made $38 million at the box office. Blows my mind, but you're coming off breakfast club. 
you're coming off real weird science real science real science which is weird science if there was real science real in this sex, movie real sex hookers at the point starring <laughs> rob Lowe and demi moore do you believe in premarital sex that's a touchy subject because we're going to get into the rob Lowe thing here in a real okay very do you remember good. the Rob Lowe controversy? Vaguely, because okay. he went away for a long time. Well, he well, should have went away have. for a long but time. But I mean, in the, the, the yes. aspect of movies and television. Yes. And once again, like I said, this soundtrack, John Parr, is a great song. The love theme that you hear throughout this movie, the Santa Mouse Fire love theme. I got very confused because I was like, did they use this in the secret of my success? And we covered that. I'm like, boy, this sounds familiar. I looked the guy who wrote most of the music for this movie. I David, I can't remember his name. He ended up doing the music soundtrack for secret of my success. I thought saying almost fire. Okay, so it's just that thing where it has the same mm -hmm. beats, the notes. I'm like, oh, my God, sounds so familiar. But the soundtrack did not deserve this movie. I'm sorry. 42% on Rotten Tomatoes with an average of 5.2 out of 10. Metacritic 35 based on 15 reviews. I wanted to add a 16th and make the Metacritic zero, but I would need to do more. <laughs> You'll hear more what I think as we go on my second viewing. At this time, June 20th, 1985, the first blockbuster video store opens. How awesome is that? Is this it, is where it all started. Was it the last blockbuster? The what? one that survived or no? No, this was just one random blockbuster okay. store. I believe it opened up in California. So it opened here in 1985. So we didn't have a blockbuster video, but in our local area, we had national video. And here are your top three rentals at the time. Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock, which 3 is, eh, but you need to watch 3 because of 2 and 4, so it's the perfect middle trilogy. The Muppets Take Manhattan, my personal favorite as a kid, and The Karate Kid, where Daniel LaRusso is the true bully of yes. the movie franchise, by far. Yep. Sega releases Hang On by Yu Suzuki became Sega's first super scalar game with a motor bike cabinet that started the trend of motion control controlled hydraulic cabinets. Now, I don't remember Hang On as much, but I remember as a kid getting in the cockpit of the Afterburner arcade cabinet that was awesome. It moved you yeah. all over the place, simulated it. That started a trend by Sega. If only, if only they were able to maintain the momentum they did in the 80s and the 90s. Pour one out for Sega Dreamcast. Kevin, we haven't done this in a long time, and I know you used to love this song. We haven't played this in a couple seasons. Little segment on the show. We're going to do a little flashback heart attack. Oh, yeah. With MTV's contest of Rock Around the World. Flashback, heart attack. Every time I see your face. Flashback, heart attack. Ooh, you're driving me Four concerts on four continents for you and a friend. On April 9th, you're leaving the States. Stop number one, Tokyo, Japan, for Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Stop number two, Melbourne, Australia, for Phil Collins, live on stage. Stop number three, the Kinks in Dusseldorf, West Germany. 
stop number four, back in the USA to wrap it up with you too. It's a very interesting contest. I appreciate the fact that MTV is willing to fly you all over the damn place to see Bruce Springsteen, especially for me. Phil Collins is the big one. I think it said it's in Australia. And I think Kevin, for you, Billy Joel is also a part of that. So your favorite. Nah, man, I just want to see that Bruce Springsteen. Um, (laughs) I heard Billy Joel was going to be insane. Almost fire. And I wish he was because it would have been a lot better than the endless fucking saxophone song that Billy played that never ended. Yeah. Jesus, why couldn't he have been Tim Capello in it? Oh rocked? my God, you, me and you are on the same wavelength today. <laughs> God. I'm pretty sure I'm going to mention in a couple minutes. I'm like, Billy leaves to become the next Tim Capello. Tim Capello. I literally have that in my notes. So Dude, it look been, out for that momentarily. It's going to be amazing. But the man who discovered Tim Capello, George Michael, what's up? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael. Welcome to the Sports Machine. We got a lot of feedback from our European fans. So here's a little European flavor for you if not indian west indian cricket batsman viv richards scores 300 in a day on the way to 322 in a tour match against warwickshire at taunton 42 fours and eight sixes off 258 balls viv richards became known as master blaster okay so he controls barter town and he's fighting a tauntaun he's fighting a tauntaun with 42 fours and eight sixes off 258 balls all right god we need a cricket master in here to explain what the hell this meant the one thing we do understand though is the lakers beat the Celtics. Four games to two to win the NBA title, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the MVP. And now on to news. Kevin, Larry King Live debuts on CNN, airing each weeknight all the way through December of 2010. Larry King, a legend in his own time and our time as well. Kevin, I brought this up a couple weeks ago. The 58th National Spelling Bee, Baloo Nadahurajan, Nadahurajan, wins by spelling milieu. M I. L-I-E-U. Yeah, that I, that second I is tough. But still, we look back into the 80s, they didn't spell complicated words at all to win a title. Now, like I said before, it's like Kajni Minoj show or something like that. Some crazy shit. Speaking of crazy shit, the Soviets land Vega 1 and Vega 2 on the surface of Venus. Okay, can't really live there. It's kind of hot. And guess what? It failed after a while. And we should nuke Venus. We should nuke Venus. See what happens. Why not? They should nuke Venus and send a copy of St. Elmo's Fire there, and it'll catch fire. In one of the biggest we fucked up moments ever, Coca-Cola announces they're bringing back their 99-year-old formula, Coca-Cola Classic. I'm Don Keogh, president of the Coca-Cola company. When we brought you the new taste of Coke, we knew that millions would prefer it, and millions do. And we knew that it would beat the taste of our major competitor, and it does. What we didn't know was how many thousands of you would phone and write asking us to bring back the classic taste of original Coca-Cola. Well, we read and we listened, and you know the rest. 
They're both yours. The new taste of Coke and Coca-Cola Classic. Your right of choice is back. That new Coke was a big well, hit, everybody. Well, if you everybody. remember, new Coke came out, and you could still, on a limited basis, get Coke, too. Yeah. I have some Coke news in Final App today that fucking infuriates me. Oh, my God. This is going to be perfect for this episode. Yeah, it's the negative episode. We're going to set fire to everything. To the rain. Watch it the- burn. We're going to watch it burn. It's going to be phenomenal because Alex Keaton and Family Ties was the number one show on NBC, followed up by the number one movie in America. America, Rambo, First Blood, Part Duh. And now, your top five songs in America here on AT Top 40, number five, A View to a Kill, Duran Duran, my favorite Bond Great. song. They just played in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I think Shane was there last night. Number four, Prince and the New Power Revolution with Raspberry Beret. Number three, Tears for Fears with Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Oh, amazing. We've talked about that drop in Real Genius at so, the end with the popcorn. Damn good. Good. Number two, personal favorite of mine, Susudio, Phil Collins, and the number one song in America. One of our favorite music videos of all time, Brian Adams with Heaven. Okay. Fucking phenomenal. Shit, my boyfriend got a DUI. What's this concert going on across the street? <laughs> I'm going to go date Brian Adams. And Billy's playing on the saxophone. There you go. And he won't shut up. But now we go into St. Elmo's Bar and hopefully Kirby doesn't wait on us. Let's hope not. You mentioned it already. I actually really like the main theme played over the opening credits and title card. Yeah, I love it. Like it's a good started, song. Like, it's good. And speaking of the title, Columbia Pictures hated the title St. Elmo's Fire. Really? They wrote a 35-page memo explaining all of their issues with the name to Michael Schumacher and suggested the, the Formula t- One driver, Michael Schumacher? <laughs> Joel Schumacher. <laughs> That's why he didn't change it because he, <laughs> they, he never got it. They got Michael, a hold of the wrong, Michael Schumacher Michael got it. Michael Schumacher got it. Not Joe Schumacher. <laughs> oh, shit. Why didn't they respond? Okay. <laughs> that was funny. So did they end up reworking the whole name of the song, or I'm sorry, the name of the movie via the song, or they just named it after the bar? Schumacher wanted it to be called, Joel, not Michael, wanted it to be called St. Elmo's Fire. Okay. And the studio was like, we hate it. We hate it so bad. Well, nobody knew what the fuck and it meant. Well, right. But that's why it's provocative. Yeah. But the take place on a boat. The names suggested by Columbia, two of them, the real world, which I swear we've heard like six different times on this podcast. Everybody wanted everything to be called the real world. It's a warped world. And until the yes, until the uh, because horns in it until, um, you know, MTV's real world happened. And then the other title they suggested sparks. That's it. Sparks. I think it's because they're like... There's sparks between the friends. Well... They're all banging each other. I I guess I haven't stopped to think about what the significance of St. Elmo's Fire and the weather phenomenon in relation to these characters. All right. Again, it's the electricity before a lightning strike. Is he trying to make a statement on like, this is the tension before a major life event type of thing? Yeah. So when he explained that to him, they were like, how about sparks instead? No. All right. Well, let's set the plot on fire. 
there. Good luck. This is exactly, this is not an easy plot to summarize. Not unlike the big chill, because if we covered that, I don't think I'd have it. It's like they all go to a house. Their friend died from their college. Who was Kevin Costner, yes. but not filmed. Right. They go to a house and they just hang out. And they, learn, and, they learn from everybody's yes. deepest, darkest secrets and that's it. But they all like each other. So it's a tough, I mean, but that's it. Dude. Yeah, that's it's, it. It's hard. Like, I'm not going to be like, well, these two had a conversation about this. And great soundtrack. Yes, and great soundtrack. Motown soundtrack. Blinding white light. Skid. Tree. Impact. It was out of hand. It was a metaphysical precision collision. Wow. Oh, was it beautiful for you, too? <laughs> Somebody give me a screwdriver and a hammer. Of course, you do know what it means to have a suspended license for drunk driving on your record. Yeah, it means I'll never be a cop in D.C. So I'm not going to say too much about St. Elmo's Fire because we'll tackle it in best scenes and logic. We have a big group of friends, all recent Georgetown graduates who presumably met there. Alec, Jules, Kevin, Kirby, and Leslie, in alphabetical order, arrive at the hospital to get an update on the condition of their other two friends, Billy and Wendy, who have been in a car accident. Billy was drinking and driving when he crashed Wendy's car. Again. At the hospital, Kirby spots a doctor named Dale Earnhardt. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just the doctor. You got Dale Earnhardt, Michael, Michael Schumacher, Schumacher, and Horn. Yeah. <laughs> Better movie. It's Robocop um, in this. So, no, he at the hospital, he spots a doctor, a, a girl named Dale, who he liked at Georgetown. <laughs> so then the whole group, minus Dale, go gather at their college hangout, St. Elmo's Bar. From here, again, it's mostly about the relationships with each other and the conversations that they have. So I will kind of go through. So Wendy loves Billy, but she's a virgin. He's a degenerate man whore. Her parents try to arrange a marriage for her. They eventually do the hunk of chunka, meaning Wendy and Billy. And Billy plays the saxophone. And I think he moves to New York. I think it is to pursue becoming the next Tim Capello, as we mentioned. Alec is a politician who works for a Democratic congressman before becoming a Republican in order to work for the senator. Uh. He constantly pressures Leslie to marry him an asshole but he cheats on her constantly kevin is in love with leslie she ends up dumping alec which allows kevin to confess his love for her she sleeps with kevin but that just makes everything worse uh. kirby is obsessed with dale and willing to do anything to be with her a lot more on this creep later oh yeah Jules is like the female version of Billy, also a train wreck. She's having an affair with her boss before getting fired. In the end, she's in crisis, which causes all the friends to reconvene, put aside their differences, to be there for her and figuratively talk her off the ledge. Then none of them want to go to St. Elmo's anymore because they're all so fucking grown up and there's too many kids there. Well, do you want to go in and get a drink? I'm going to be at work real early tomorrow. Me too. I need to find a job tomorrow. <laughs> Me too. Well, how about brunch on Sunday? That sounds good. Great. So we meet here around 1230? Uh, why don't we go to Houlihan's? Not so noisy, <laughs> not so many kids. <laughs> <laughs> so like the period of time in this movie i think is only six months yeah all this shit happens in six months i don't even know if it's that long because they just graduate yeah. all of a sudden alex working for a congressman she's a fucking banker nothing makes sense right 
they just, yeah, they get out of college and then they become so grown up within months. Yeah. All right. Characters. The studio was on board with Rob Lowe because he was a heartthrob at the time. Fucking hot. Ali Sheedy was coming off the success of War Games and Mayor Winningham for her body of work on television. The oldest young girl I've ever oh, seen in my life. Like she looks like old, a mother. Yeah, you said it much nicer than I was going to. <laughs> I may have alluded to a commercial that used to do the bitter beer face thing. And and Jeeva mentioned, like, how old is she? Is she in her 30s or 40s? I'm like, no, when they filmed this, she was 25. Yeah, right. You would never guess that. No. Um, everyone else, Joel Schumacher had to fight the studio for. Emilio Estevez as Kirby Kager. What a name. A but he's billed as Kerbo at the end. Kerbo. Nobody calls him Kerbo. I think Alec might call him Kerbo, oh. but weird. Your yeah. name's Kirby. You're not shortening it. You're changing a letter. Yeah. I'm going to start calling you Yim, like <laughs> Lou Ferrigno did. Kirby Kager, he's a law student, and he's a waiter at St. Elmo's Bar. You never get hired at the place you hang out. No. That's a rule. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't get hired at the place you hang out. It's like wearing a band of the shirt you're going to go see. Exactly. See Thomas Howe auditioned. He was too young. They were like, you're a fucking kid. No. Fucking kid? He's not that old. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, Compared to Emilio, they're like the same age. Uh, Rob Lowe is William Billy Hicks. Dreamy. A saxophonist and frat boy mm-hmm. and reluctant husband and father. I won't go into later. I'll go into the stuff we mentioned with Rob Lowe. And Andrew McCarthy is Kevin Dolans. He's a writer, which, you know, it's funny because all of this stuff is just like a passing. Loves cigarettes. Um, he loves cigarettes. And in real life, he roomed with Emilio Estevez in order to prepare for the role. Oh, God. Demi Moore as Juliana Jules Van Patten, an international banker. Married to Dick Van Patten. <laughs> exactly. The role was reportedly offered to Jodie Foster, Jennifer Beals, Tatum O'Neill, Joan Cusack. Good selections. So she had to attend rehab in order to for the studio to be like, because she was all fucked up at the time. Yeah. Now that Joel Schumacher, she was there to audition for something else. And Joel Schumacher saw her in the hallway and made his assistant go, is that girl an actress? Go find out and chase her down. And then they cast her. So man, she just was walking through a hallway and they worked out messed up. Judd Nelson is Alec Newberry. He's a yuppie. The perfect, perfect prick. Who's the best movie yuppie? I thought like watching this movie again, I was like, boy, would this have been perfect for Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. Yes. But who would have been great for this? Fucking Brad Whitford. Yeah. I so I this is isn't really fair. I think the best movie yuppies. I mean, like Wall Street is oh, really kind of good. But I think the best movie yuppies because it's like a parody is American Psycho. Yeah, it's Patrick Bateman. It's Patrick Bateman. It's just the whole yuppie culture in that movie's awesome. And Kirby's almost like Patrick Bateman. Uh different. <laughs> yeah. He's like the Patrick Bateman who chases people with chainsaws. Yeah. Ali Sheedy is Leslie Hunter. Apparently, she's a an architect. Brooke Shields, Meg Ryan. Jamie Lee Curtis, Melanie Griffin, Sarah Jessica Parker, Bridget Fonda, Elizabeth Shue, Jennifer Jason Lee were considered. Wow. Yeah. So that was a kind of a. It's uh, pretty good. And that tells you the power of war games. Yeah. Mayor Winningham again, Wendy Beamish. She's a social worker. Despite playing a virgin, she was fucking pregnant. At really? The, at the time of filming. Taboo. Interesting. Andy McDowell has Dale Bieberman. What a name. She says this movie changed her life. How? Probably because it opened a lot of doors. Yeah, like four weddings and a funeral. Hey, aren't you Dale? Uh, <laughs> Give him hell, Dale. Yeah. Let's see. Who else do we want to mention? Uh, that guy who's like the owner of St. Elmo's was like Mr. Coach Klein from The Water Boy. 
Because I was like, oh my God, it's Mr. Coach Klein. So Anna Marie Horsford plays Naomi. I think she's the mom from Friday. A fucking prostitute. The weird. I don't get it. Prostitute. Laura Dern auditioned for that role. So weird. Which is strange. Is she instead of dinosaur poop? (laughs) That's a whole lot of shit. Actually, it all makes sense. Kirby's a serial killer, isn't he? Yeah. He stalks Dale. We're going to talk a lot about that. Oh, that's not even. I'm not going to lie. It's not Kirby that talks to that prostitute, though. It's 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 Kevin. Kevin. But when I was watching this movie, getting my research together at one point i was like you know what we should stop talking about the movie and just do a rest of saying about kirby yeah because we can just go oh, on and just on spend the rest of the episode on it kirby. becomes a pool crimes episode and it's kirby oh kerbo all right let's go i'm gonna skip a uh, best actor i mean unless you have somebody you really want to mention i do oh okay wendy i don't think i have enough food to feed them oh we'll have plenty we'll be fine there'll be enough hi hey what are uh, you doing here mm-hmm. We can't be taking to lunch, La Petite Chateau, one o'clock. I can't leave here and go to La Petite Chateau. Ladies, please have a little perspective. Well, we can eat here. Hi. Hi, Myra. These are my friends, Leslie and Jules. This is Myra. Hi, Myra. Hi. You need Hi. some salad. Uh, how's Howie? Oh, well, I wouldn't say my father's trying to bribe me, but he did offer me a Chrysler LeBaron convertible if I'd get engaged to Howie. Have you fucked him yet? Jules, <laughs> listen, get the car, fuck him, and if you don't like it, break the engagement. And they can still fuck him. <laughs> because I think Wendy has the most admirable profession and genuinely cares about Billy. She's the only one that seems to have her shit together. She doesn't, you know, act like more than she is. Her dad is well off. Her family is. She wants to be a social worker. She wants people to be taken care of. She takes Billy on like a project, but she genuinely loves him. And she lost her virginity to Billy. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's better than the guy her parents set her up with because that guy's a drip. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> but if you break down all the lead characters, she's the only one that has her shit together. I have problems with her. Do you? Yeah. We'll get into it later. I okay. have problems with her. I mean, no, there is no one unscathed. They all have a fatal flaw. Okay. So we'll get to it. Well, she's um, a sucker. I know, but I rather eat Wendy's than talk. <laughs> <laughs> Then watch this scene with Wendy. I don't know. Does <laughs> anyone eat taco? Said, I'd rather eat Wendy's than taco. Uh, no, I don't want to eat Wendy's taco. Uh, I will crash her car, though. Um, what a great car that thing is. How many cars does she have in this movie? She has a ton. Like, her dad just keeps delving out it the money. It makes it seem like Billy, like, crashes a car a week. I don't know how he survives, like, a crash test dummy. Yeah. It's weird. He gets arrested, but there's really no fallout They let him it. out. Like, whatever. Yeah. Hi, um, Billy. All right, Jim, since you're you're the one with the big bone to pick, I'm going to let you. Get, let's kick off best scenes. Shockingly, I have two. I have two. Didn't think I would. Actually, I have three, I think. So, my first one is Leslie opening up to Kevin after Alec breaks up with her. And um, I think that the reason I'm not interested in other women and why I haven't had sex in so long is because I am desperately, completely in love with you. <laughs> well, we won't even remember this tomorrow, huh? It 
It is tomorrow. I like the whole setup because Alec, we find out, oh, big fucking shock. He ends up fucking around with the woman who sold him lingerie for Leslie because he wants to marry Leslie, like nonstop bring it up. Let's get married. His, let's get married. Let's what, get married. His reasoning for wanting to marry her is because he thinks it will give him the kick in the ass to stop cheating. Stop cheating. That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't at all. Leslie has to marry me soon. Why, are you pregnant? What is your marriage, Harry? I'm gonna kill myself. It's only Pepper's out. I can't believe what I just did. I innocently go downtown to buy the nightgown, and this amazingly leggy blonde sales girl offers to model it for me. So we wind up doing it standing up in the dressing room in front of a three-way mirror. So there are six of you. Ho, ho, ho. If Leslie would just marry me. Marriage is gonna make you faithful. Yes. I'm sorry. The notion of two people spending their entire lives together was invented by people who were lucky to make it to 20 without being eaten by dinosaurs. Marriage is obsolete. Dinosaurs are obsolete. Marriage is still around. But he only admits it to Kevin that he cheated on her. So fast forward. And I think the lingerie girl is one of many. Yeah, one of many. I think he even brings it up when they're arguing like, hey, you're not the only one or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. But then you find out at that party that creepy Kirby throws at the one guy's place. We'll talk about it later. She mentions like, so you're fucking around on me. Well, here's here's what what uh, spawns all of that is he this is a movie trope that's in multiple movies. is. He announces their engagement. It's coming to America. It's a number of movies do this. With no. He announces their engagement without her ever agreeing to yeah. marry him. So she's pissed off about that. And Rightfully she basically, so. Because she says no every time he asks yeah. her. So she finally, this is like the final straw. And she finally admits to him why she won't marry him. And she's like, it's because you fuck around on me. And then the only person that he ever told was Kevin. So he automatically assumes it's Kevin. So he goes, starts a fight with him. She even says it wasn't him. Yeah. What did Kevin tell you? Nothing. What did you tell her? What did you tell her? He told me nothing. It was just a hunch until now. So the, him doing that out of him. Confirmed it, yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, he is the perfect scumbag. But the one thing that bothers me is these are all friends supposedly for more than four years. Kevin doesn't bring any girls home. He doesn't talk about any girls because we find out he's been in love with Leslie yeah. the entire time. He doesn't want to compromise his friendship with either of them. Yes. So they just assume he's gay. Yeah. Even the prostitute thinks he's gay. Yeah. Prostitute's like, what? like I never try to hit on you because you're gay. It's just like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's, it's very, cheap- very unfair to Kevin. It's, yeah. Kev, you've got a problem. Mm. You're gay and you're madly in love with Alec. I see. But it's okay. We all love Alec. He's our hero. But he's very, very straight. And very taken. Jules, there's the brink of insanity, and then there is the abyss, Kev, which obviously you ashamed into. of. Gay became very chic in the 70s. No, I'm not ashamed. Mm-hmm. I am not gay. And I am not staying. So my scene, I mean, my first one, it kind of ties into what you're saying. And I have a lot of moments in this movie, yeah. not necessarily scenes. There's two in particular that I really love. But the first thing I'll mention, so Kevin is at Alec and Leslie's apartment helping her cook dinner while Alec is at work. And he's probably loving this because he's in love with her. Oh, yeah. So again, he's been accused of being gay, not just being gay. 
No. But Jules says, you're in love with Alec. Yeah. When in reality, he's not. He's in love with Alec's, Alec's girlfriend, friend. Leslie. So this scene starts to pull back the curtain a bit because you get it. Like you start to see like, oh, he's in love with Leslie. Yeah. Stay away from love. I can't. Kevin, you've been in love. Doesn't Alec hate peppers? Well, come on. You must have been in love with someone sometime. Yeah, once. But then Alec comes home. He brings lingerie for Leslie because he tells her at some point, I want to get you like red satin lingerie. But the thing is, though, that lingerie does not fit who she is. No, not at, at all. all. No. So Fuck. He, he tells her, go try it on. It's the whole thing is shitty. Like yeah. in front of your friend, regardless, it's like, hey, go try this lingerie and I'll be right up. And she's like, hey, he can hear us. So they basically are like, hey, dipshit, stir yeah. the vegetables. So while he's cooking, keep those ashes out of the veg he ashes his cigarettes yeah. <laughs> into the vegetables while he's cooking them i love it it's awesome i love that he just ashes a cigarette right into like the stir fry do you find it and maybe i'm in the minority here but like when there always seems to be an issue with jewels where she always needs alex help yes. to get out of something and they all she always seems to spend the, the weird scene where she calls him in the middle of the night yeah she's like might be raped by these, these yeah. arab guys and he comes over he's like that didn't look like yeah they hardly impressed me as the gang bang type how much coke have you done? I don't know. They had barrels full. You know, Jules, sometimes I think you just make these dramas up to test me. Why don't you come over for a while? No, I have to be at work in the morning. Come on. No. Well, I don't want to be alone. Who are you calling? Systems analyst. Very hot Jewish guy. You the new Mideast ambassador? It's really late. Let me drive you home. Waste all this good coke. So basically, it looks like Jules wants to fuck him. Yes. And he's like, no, I'm not fucking you. So she calls somebody else. This is what I don't get. They all have this open relationship. Like, for instance, Jules comes over the first time because she got into a fight with some guy. So once again, Alec and Leslie are trying to fool around. She ends up spending the night. Yeah. Do you find it weird that it's granted? It's a thanking type thing, but they just kiss each other on the mouth. Yes. Is that she weird? She kisses almost every character in this movie on the mouth at some point. To me, I find it weird. That's be like, say, hey, I had a, a rough time you and dane let me stand but i just kissed dane on the mouth yeah. it's like fucking weird it is weird it is it i is, didn't understand that maybe it's more comfortable in the 80s but I, yeah i like <laughs> it's like I they just know. all kiss each yeah, other it's weird i i think at some point they probably all experimented a little bit the most insane halloween party they take your hands off my wife your wife you're not married to me you're married to your friends in the bar i i said get your hands off my wife Billy. Oh, are you kidding? Billy. God damn it! I tell you, I just shit out of that me at birth. I tell you something now. You ever have boys, you just do them a favor and get them neutered right away. They knock up some little sluts. They're the ones who are really fucked. Fucked for life. I hate you, you little bitch. Shut up. Billy's band plays the party, and uh, he, like, rips it on the saxophone. For 20 minutes. For 20 minutes. Until the band stops so he can have an argument with his wife. Here's the thing. From on stage. The band is, I don't care, it's a logic point. The band is loud. It's loud as fuck in there. Yeah. He doesn't, he's not on a microphone. No. He's, he's not on a mic. Okay, so apparently this woman is his wife. Then we just find out he's we, married. We just find out he's married. She's in the crowd. He sees her with another guy. With Hollywood from Top Gun. Okay. That's Whip Hubert. I didn't even notice yeah. that. Mm -hmm. So she comes in with a fighter pilot. 
And uh, <laughs> wish it was him. And <laughs> just in the fatigue, he starts yelling from stage at her. Yeah, stop touching my. You fucking, fuck my wife. Yeah. You fuck my wife. I am your wife. I am your wife, and I fucked her. So the band stops. So they're like, "All right, dude. I guess go yell at her." Well, they're repeating the same lyric over so and the band, over. Yes, the band stops so he can yell at his wife. <laughs> it turns into a fight, but it's like they got one of every single costume from a costume shop. Yeah, it's like this wasn't filmed at Halloween, so they're just like, "Shit, intern." Go to the costume shop with this credit card. Okay, go to Wards. Buy one of every costume because most of the costumes, 99% of them are not Halloween adjacent not costumes. Not at all. There's like a banana. <laughs> there's like uh, just whatever they have, you know? Here's the thing that drives me nuts. When he starts yelling at his wife, it's not even the people closest to him that stop talking first. It's the people on the other side of the room somehow yeah. hear him tell him, get the fuck away from my yeah. wife. What kind of a reveal is that? That out of nowhere, he's married with a child? Yeah. Where the fuck? I happen. have no idea. It's so, so strange. So my last one, and this is probably the most wholesome scene in the movie, dysfunctionally though. They all come back together after they all split oh, yeah. apart to save Jules, who's trying to freeze herself to death. Hi, Jules. Open the door. Jules, open the door. She's in there. She's got a dead ball Jules! What's he doing here? I called him. Did you call all your lovers? Is the guy who took you to your high school prom gonna join us Alec, too? What? What's happening with Jules? She's bolted the door. Fire escape. All right. And then <laughs> of all things to do, she barricades herself in an apartment where it's all been repossessed. Yeah. All she has are stuffed animals. Somehow she has some sort of weird pole thing that stops her from the door. Billy has a job at a Namico. They, uh, Kevin tries to torch the window. Somehow she comes to Billy breaks it down with a fire extinguisher. And then when Billy's on the floor sitting with Jules, he explains what St. Elmo's fire is. Honey, this isn't real. You know what it is? It's St. Elmo's fire. Electric flashes of light that appear in dark skies out of nowhere. Huh? <laughs> Sailors would guide entire journeys by it, but the joke was on them there was no fire. There wasn't even a St. Elmo. They made it up. They made it up because they thought they needed it to keep them going when things got tough. Just like you're making up all of this, we're all going through this. <laughs> It's our time on the edge. It's actually probably the best scene throughout yeah. the whole movie because I, you get exposition, you I, care about this Billy. This is the first time I see Billy where I'm like, man, this guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. So one of the things I love Billy, and I have it as like a best scene, is one of the things I love that Billy does here is smoke two cigarettes at once. Yeah, but then he puts it out. Yeah, he puts it out, but he starts smoking two cigarettes at once. But yeah, that whole scene is like, because that's the first time Kevin and Alec really yeah. speak to each other mm -hmm. after that whole situation. My last one, when Leslie goes to get her stuff at the apartment, apartment because Alec isn't supposed to be there. So he's supposed to be at work. So yeah. she's like, all right, good time to go get my shit. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. You can have all the Billy Joel's. Except the stranger. I'm taking Thriller and Mahler's Nine. Kevin is so fond of Mahler. I moved in with Jules. Oh, how nice. Roomies again. 
He's there. He's like, I'm sick. They argue over who takes what and which records. And notice there's a Billy Joel reference. Yeah. <laughs> but they argue over who takes what. But at one point, so the whole scene, he's holding a football. And at one point, he screams to the abyss, wasted love, wasted love. And then he chucks the football. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Take all the Billy so, Joel, but keep the stranger. Schumacher was probably like, you gotta, come on, you gotta do wasted love. And he's like, all right. Just thought of a, one last one at the very end of the movie. So they're all walking together. They're headed towards St. Elmo's yeah. daytime. So you have Leslie, Alec, and Kevin, and they're all walking. She's like, listen. I think I have to be by myself for a while. I thought I was the male of your life. <laughs> I thought I was the miracle of your life. I love you both. I'm going to try life without any miracles for a while. But I hope we can still be friends. Sure, sure. Let's kill her. I just want to be by myself. I love you both. And they both look at each other. They're best buddies again. Like, yeah, yeah you fucked her. I fucked her. You love her. I love her. Okay. Yeah, she's like, will you be friends? They literally wanted to kill. Well, not Kevin as yeah. much as Alec, but Alec wanted to destroy him. Now, all of a sudden, they're just like, oh, well. Yeah. What in the hell is this movie? It's a weird dynamic because they're not going to stop pursuing her. And she's like, nah, I'm done with you guys. I'm good. She's shitty too. We'll get into it. Yeah, well, Ben Kirby. In this movie, no pool. I'm sure these people probably jump the fence. and Weirdly enough, not a pool, but they'll just openly eat food at a soup kitchen with homeless people in it in front of them. They go visit uh, Mayor Winningham at work. Yeah. All right, let's get out of the pool. Everybody get out of the pool. Kirby doesn't own it. Kirby's naked. Kill him. All right, we are going to draft Brat Pack movies, but with a small convoluted twist in honor of this convoluted movie. So for each of the following Brat Pack members, we're going to pick a movie from their filmography. Once a movie has been picked, it's gone. It's interesting because a lot of these characters, a lot of these actors were in the same movie. Yeah. So like if you pick a movie that I may have wanted for somebody else, it's gone and I have to pick a backup. So well, what's difficult too is Rob Lowe goes through that dark period where he's just in Walmart checkout counter movies yeah. that nobody ever so watched. So we're going to do Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Rob Lowe, Andrew McCarthy, Demi Moore, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, and Ali Sheedy. So point, point of contention. Can I pick TV Point shows? of order. Point of order. Can I do a TV show yeah. or is it just a movie? Okay. Uh, you can do it. I don't care. Okay. Who decides the standard? All right. I'm going to flip this thing. Heads, tails. Okay. Oh, we didn't call it. Yeah. So that was pointless. (laughs) No shit. Um, All right. Just like the movie, it made no sense. Heads or tails? All right, go. Tails. Got tails. All right. Do you want to go first? I'll go first. All right. Should we go in that order like you said? Emilio Estevez, yep. Emilio Estevez. I am taking with D2, the mighty box. That's my number one overall pick. <laughs> the thing I wanted most. Yep. So he plays uh, Coach Borden, but Borden Gombe. <laughs> I love Borden Gombe. Uh, he plays Gordon Bombay. 
in uh, D2 Mighty Ducks. Back which was, from his little foray into pro hockey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we almost covered that this week. Oh, we will. We will we cover will D2 soon. eventually. Um, so I guess I'm going to go with my favorite Emilio Estevez movie, Repo Man, Ooh. where he plays automatics. It's such an awesome movie. I love a lot. He plays like a punk rocker, and it's just a super weird, cool movie that's underrated, and enough people haven't seen it. So I'm going to go Repo Man. All right. So I got Mike. Anthony Michael, Michael Hall. Yeah, Anthony Michael Hall. I'm going to go weird science. Fuck, dude. Picking first <laughs> really paid off. So Robert Downey Jr.'s in that one. The dude that plays. Oh, Gary. Gary. Elon Mike Mitchell Smith. Elon, his name's Elon Mitchell Elon Smith. Elon Mitchell Smith because okay. he has that weird voice. Yeah. He, he didn't do he anything. Do? He didn't really do it's anything. It's just, I liked Weird Science. It's I liked everybody movie. in Weird Science, but it's, it's weird because somebody else could have played Gary. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. It's just. Even uh, Robert Rustler's in that movie. That's one of those 80s guys who were like, oh, I, it's that guy. I liked the Weird Science TV show. And that it was, was good. On. And they had good analogs playing White and Gary. So I'm going to pick again. You took my first pick. So I'm going <laughs> off the cuff and I'm going hysteria. The Def Leppard story. He plays Mutt Lang. Really? Yeah. That movie I wish was more accessible because we would cover it on here. It was like one of those VH1 decided for a while. They were just going to start making like biography movies. Yeah. Of like, I think there's a meatloaf one. There's a Def Leppard one. There's a bunch of them. I really enjoy the hysteria Def Leppard one. So yeah, you also could have mentioned like Dark Knight, which he's barely in. That's good. But there's a bunch of movies where he just plays like a bit part later on. He is one of the actors who I don't understand how he looked like he did as a teenager and what he looked like as an adult. He doesn't because match like up. he was in Edward Scissorhands just a couple years later and he plays this jock bully. And it's like, how did he go from the character he played in like Breakfast Club? And then he did the Dead Zone yeah. TV series yeah, for a like, long it's time. So strange. All, All right, right. So Rob. Lowe, so first, let me mention. So if you recall, there was a controversy with Rob Lowe. Go ahead. Because he made a sex tape with a 16 year old and it basically ended his career until one of the movies that will get mentioned brought him back because he didn't stop acting but like Jim said it was like grocery store end cap direct to DVD just to keep working but there was one movie that was like hey he's out there he's perfect let's bring him back and then ever since he's been able to attend NFL games in an NFL hat yeah (laughs) not a specific team he's a big NFL he's a big fan of the league itself he loves bucking Roger. He loves Goodell. I must have Roger Cornish. He loves Cleet Blakeman. (laughs) So, all right. I'm going with the thing that really brought Rob Lowe back. I'm taking him in the West Wing. Okay. Okay, good. That's why I asked about TV shows. Yeah. Sam Seaborn, great actor. I had no idea he was on the West Wing. His character, there was almost a spinoff where there's a throwaway line, and we've talked about this before. We appreciate exposition quite, you know, just throw it away. It's a line. It could possibly happen. I think it was in a season four episode. Martin Sheen, Emilio Estevez's dad, ironically enough, playing the president, mentions to Rob Lowe's character, who is the White House deputy. White House. Yeah, White, White House. Horse. White Horse. White House. He is the deputy communications director, and he mentions him over a chess game that, you know, one day I'll come and campaign for you when you run for president. So there was going to be a spinoff where Sam would run for president of the United States, and it didn't happen. But Rob Lowe in that show, phenomenal. Rob Lowe aged very well. He's like 59, and he looks like he's younger than me. That's good. I'm going Wayne's World. Oh, that's right. Because that's what brought him back. Yeah. That, that was really like, Wayne's World was like, Benjamin. This, yeah, this guy's, and he was perfect, and he was on board, and yeah. it, it launched his career again. Honorable mention for me, 
He's in a movie of Patrick Swayze. It's a hockey movie. Because, like, when I was a kid, I had hockey fever big time. Yeah. And it's a great movie. It's like. What is it? It's called Youngblood. Oh, okay. It's called Youngblood. He plays. uh, His last name is Youngblood. I can't remember the first name, but he plays Youngblood. Blood. Um, Blood (laughs) His name is Blood Youngblood. Patrick Swayze (laughs) is. Patrick Swayze is, like, the veteran hockey player. Okay. And he's like his mentor. I think he's fucking the coach's daughter or something on par, but it's yeah, but it's, it's a good flick. Like it used to be on Tubi. I don't know if it still is, Yeah, but it's a good one. Um, we should probably cover it at some point. I'm game for that. So I got Andrew McCarthy next. I'm there's ta- two. There's two. I, this one, either side of the coin. If you take it, I'm good. I'm taking Mannequin. Okay. I went Weekend at Bernie's. Two. Yeah, <laughs> two. It's a voodoo one. I'll take it. I like that movie. But uh, yeah, Mannequin, iconic. Mannequin 2. And weirdly enough, iconic. he didn't smoke in Mannequin at all, which is, a, he is the walking we should, calendar. We should do um, Marlboro, two man. deep ends. We should do Mannequin and Weekend at Bernie's. And then we should do Weekend at Bernie's 2 and Mannequin 2. Oh my God. <laughs> Let's not talk about Mannequin 2 on the move with William Ragsdale and Meshach Taylor. I love it. So my next, let's we got Demi Moore. Yep. Disclosure. Whoa. Because she's fucking hot. So I was going to ask, movie. I didn't think this was fair. At the end of this, I was going to ask, whose career from the Brat Pack do you think is the best or who's took off the most? And I'm like, it's it's very clearly Demi Moore. Demi Moore. And then he's not like an official member, but Robert Downey Jr. Demi Moore, and it hurts saying this, maybe it's rude, but kind of rode Bruce Willis's coattails. Maybe. To a degree. Yeah. His city that he bought. I'm going to go ghost, but I also indecent proposal Beavis and butthead do America unbearable weight of massive talent, not striptease. No, not really. <laughs> GI Jane. No, no. Um, she was in few good men. Yes, she was. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot for her after striptease. It seemed to have fallen straight off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Like it was weird. <laughs> So Judd Nelson's up next. I'm taking the breakfast club. Yeah, that's John Bender. I mean, yeah. So a a few of these Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Ali Sheedy, you could have all mentioned breakfast club. But I think to me, Judd Nelson is what makes the breakfast club so good. And in this being a polar opposite, like I said, RDJ would have been great in this role as Alec. I'm going airheads. Nice. Yeah. Good call on that one. Shows up. uh, What's his name? Jimmy wing. Jimmy wing. Jimmy wing. Yeah. I love him. He's so good. Fucking name's wing. Yeah. It's weird. I used to masturbate constantly. Ali Sheedy up no, next. Go uh, Molly Ringwald. Oh, Molly Ringwald. That's right. Six. Again, to me, you could have done Breakfast Club, but there's there's two. 16 Candles. Yeah, I'm going the other one, Pretty in Pink. Oh, yeah. So both of those gave her the chance to be like the lead, the opportunity to, to, to take it and run with it. I think every every one of the Brat Pack members, with the exception of Ali Sheedy, all had an opportunity to kind of be the lead in something. Yeah. But Ali Sheedy never did. So. Molly Ringwald looks amazing. Yeah, she looks pretty, pretty much, much the, the same. same. Yeah. So Ali Sheedy to cap it all off, going with war games. Yeah. With Matthew Which, Broderick. I mean I think that's the right answer. I'm short circuit. We oh, just yeah. talked about it last week with the robots. But yeah, I'm going short circuit. So what about ancillary? Robert Downey Jr. Do you take Iron Man? 
Probably. Okay. I mean, you can almost pick Oppenheimer. Yeah. Damn good in that. Probably going to win but, an uh, award. I would go Iron Man. I okay. Think that's the, the appropriate one. And then Mara Winningham. What do you got? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I know this and I know another movie. She starred with Anthony Edwards in a movie called Miracle Mile, which is about nuclear war. Well, there you go. That's more than I knew. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, everybody, let's get back in the pool. Everybody get back in a Dale run. It's Kirby Ryder. All right, critical question. I think I know what you'll say, but if you would have been an early 20-something in the mid-80s, which movie character from any 80s movie would have oh, been your vibe? Would have been my vibe? Yeah. Who do you who do you see yourself as? Who do you relate to if if you were a 20-something in the 80s? Ferris Bueller. Really? Yeah. That sucks. I didn't go to he's school. He's an asshole. I, he's an asshole. Didn't go to school much. Had the hottest girlfriend in school. Really cared for his best friend, kind of. Kind of took advantage of him. But I have two answers for you. I'm oh, for me? I'm going to your answers in. Okay. Okay. O'Neill from Bachelor Party. Oh, God. Yes, Med. Lloyd Dobler. Yeah. Which I think that's a slam dunk. Unfair question, I think, from my part, because I think it would take some time to truly think. I'd say probably an amalgamation of automatics from Repo Man, who I mentioned. A little Peter Venkman with the sarcasm. Yeah. Some Seymour Krellborn from Little Shop of Horrors. Maybe some Bill and Ted. Okay. Because I, I just, I don't know. I dig the whole vibe of Bill and Ted. All right. Well, <laughs> he's never a member of the Brat Pack. What's up, Dave? Better idea, okay, Michael Schumacher? Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Joel Schumacher. I have a better idea, okay? I saw this role of Kirby, and I have a great idea. Like, okay, I go, I, I meet Dale, and I go to her ski lodge, and I meet her boyfriend, and I fucking kill him. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Those two do have a lot in common. Really? <laughs> All right, so this is a movie about a bunch of bad people. Oh, they're dog shit. Let me go through each of our main characters and tell you how they suck. And Jim, feel free to chime in where you'd like oh. to uh, help me out. We'll go with Billy first. All right. Billy totals Wendy's brand new car with her in it. Yeah. <laughs> Because he was drinking and driving. He tries to fuck anything that moves. Yeah. Which makes him a bad husband. But he's also a bad husband for many other reasons. The fact we didn't even know he was a husband. <laughs> and a father. He hits on, I think, all the girls in this movie. Especially the ones who are supposed to be his friend. Because he has the Jules. moment with Jules in uh, the Jeep. He rapes her. Yeah, basically. Attempted. Yes, basically. In front of his wife. <laughs> right, that too. <laughs> so weird. God. Wendy, such a pushover and an enabler. She She's in love with Billy, even though he's a slime ball and he's married. She doesn't care. Total the car her dad got her. She ends up paying for the medical bill out of pocket. Mm -hmm. Her dad gives her money, says it's for her, gives it to Billy for rent. Yeah. The one time Billy or two times Billy doesn't take the money and he leaves. Yeah. Why? It's is never going to be any better. Wendy works as a social, social worker. Social yeah. worker. She works at a soup kitchen. She is a pushover. Yeah. No matter. Billy, I don't care that he has a, a redeeming scene in the end of the movie. No. The best thing for him to do is to get the fuck out of Dodge. And he realizes because that. he has destroyed every relationship with everyone in town. He needs to go and go ruin somebody else's life. He believes in premarital sex. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That is, that's that's probably the line of the movie. An actual joke in this movie. Alec. Ugh. His friend, his friend Billy obviously has problems, and his response is to give him a swirly in a bar bathroom and tell him he's a fuck up. What? Step into my office. Hmm, pick me up? Yes. Yeah. Why didn't you tell me you lost your job? For some insane reason, I thought you might take it badly. Don't drown him, he's a father. Oh, that's right. You're a father. When are you gonna grow up? Oh, like this is real mature, Al. Well, I just get angry because you're putting so much pressure on the rest of us. 
Look, working for Senator Pomerantz was not for me. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's all right. The wet look is in. Asshole. Oh, that's Mr. Asshole to you? First off, that's the laziest swirly. It's almost oh, it like is. Billy thought that was beer and he went to drink out of a toilet. And Billy's like, oh, the wet looks in. Oh. Because Billy, I, I guess, lost a job that Alec got him. But out of everybody in this group, why is Alec the go-to to go beat the shit out they, of somebody? They mention a bunch of times, Alec's our hero. What does he do? I don't understand. To me, I would feel like if Billy was sober enough, he would be the ass kicker of the group, not yeah. Alec. Well, Alec swaps his politics for self-advancement. He cheats on Leslie constantly. He thinks the solution to cheating on her is for her to marry him. Announces their engagement without her saying yes. When they break up, he tries to make her take the Billy Joel records, which should be a warrant for present prison sentence. Leave the stranger. Jules is a train wreck. She lies about everything. She's bad coke habit. Constantly wishes her stepmom would die. That's like every line she has in this movie. It's very materialistic. Only cares about her image. Is fucking her boss, but doing it in order to basically be like, well, I'll divorce him take half of everything and then travel the world. She apparently out of nowhere has a bad coke habit. She is an international banker. Kevin. Yeah. When I research it, she's an international banker who got a two month advance on her paycheck. Yeah. How? Yeah, they're walking around paychecks and they're just like, well, there's not one for you. You're two months behind. What? What? Yeah, I, I would think that's not something she's an international. Allow you to, she's an international banker. I would say Leslie's the best of all of them, but she has sex with her boyfriend's best friend. Yeah. Which this isn't her fault, I guess, because it happened in a moment of weakness. But then she rejects him after and really fucks him up. I just wish everything could be like it used to be. All of us friends. I don't want to be friends. I didn't mean that. I mean, it was an accident. I'm beginning to think that there aren't any accidents. And I would really like it if you would just leave. Okay? Which she doesn't owe him anything. But then it drives a permanent wedge between him and his best friend. She needed to be stronger just be like, I appreciate that you're in love with me. Yeah. I cannot fuck you. You know what she easily could have done? Hey, Leslie, do me a favor. Alex here. Stay in the room. Yeah. We're fine. Stay in there. Yeah. He thinks it's a rat that I brought home. Right. Yeah. She does that too. Which tells you it almost seems like she had sex with him for revenge. Yes. And what ties that all up is he finally gets an article. By the way, Kevin is a writer for the Washington Post. Yeah. He lives in an apartment with three other guys. He's a writer for the, makes no money. No. Finally reveals that he got his article on the back on like the flip side of page one. And what does she do? Shits on his parade and she berates literally him shits for on that. his article. Literally. She's like a cat. Piece or of a, shit. a dog or some sheep. Parakeet. She put, she put, She's a fucking parakeet. Uh, so Kevin can't be himself in front of his friends, which is kind of an indictment of the rest of them. Because they think he's gay. They're always hassling him for something. He's in love with his best friend's girlfriend, which isn't great. But I will say, out of respect for him, he does internalize it, never admits it because of he doesn't want to damage his relationship with her or with his best friend. Why didn't he admit it to the prostitute? that he's best friends with apparently right it's admirable again that he never interferes but then it's like the moment they break up he's like i love you and i want to fuck you yeah and then after one night together he immediately tries to get her to move in with him he's a mess he's like move in with me and then like when alec calls he's like tell him you're moving in with me it's like where'd you get these cues from fucking kerbo And uh, all right, Turbo Kerbo. Let's talk about Kerbo. Kevin, Good old I, Kirby. Kevin, I got an itemized list. Legit stalker. Yeah. Okay. At first, so he meets a girl named he sees Dale, and it, it sounds like he's got a history with her, right? Quick, what's the meaning of life? Dale Beaver. Who? 
Dale Bieberman. Didn't you see her at the hospital tonight? She's a girl that I was madly in love with when we were freshmen. Okay, okay, she's about yay tall, long, dark hair, beautiful face. Okay, okay, remember? Remember that, that, that big fountain, the one on main campus, the one that says knowledge, art, religion, life? The day that we were walking past that, she was sitting on the life side, and she just smiled at me. What are you talking about? You took her to one movie. Kevin, there are several quintessential moments in a man's life. Losing his virginity, getting married, becoming a father, having the right girl smile at you. I'm not gonna live through another year of finding your poorly written unmailed love scratchings around this house. Jing, I have her hospital schedule. It's true love, my friend. That's the start of where we really start to see Kirby's once weird behavior because years ago she does remember him yeah um, i wonder why he reserves a table at a restaurant and he shows up when the restaurant opens a table for four and he's like i'll pay double calls jules on the phone call yeah he's like i'll pay double calls jules on the phone to find out what the order and stuff this is insane because dale agrees to come here on the date so immediately the first thing on the date he does a quote from the movie they saw have you been waiting long just got here Food is great here. Yes, and uh, I'll be having the alfalfa sprouts and a plate of mashed yeast. Are you vegetarian? No, that's from Annie Hall, the movie we saw together. Don't you remember? Oh, that's funny. I thought we went to see a Mel Brooks movie. No, no, it was Annie Hall. And she's like, what is that? It was the wrong movie. And she's like, that's not what we saw. And he's like, yes, it fucking was. <laughs> like, he basically loses it. It's a fucking nut. He loses it. It's a nut. And then she gets a phone call. It's, they're like, doctor, whatever, Dr. Bieberman. Dr. Bieberman. And, uh, what a name. So she has to leave to go back to the hospital. He's fucking pissed. Irate. He's irate. So then he shows up at her apartment. Kirby. How are you? I'm obsessed, thank you very much. <laughs> Where he sniffs her pillows. And her roommate fucking catches him doing it. Accuses her of not- Not even her underwear, Kevin. No. A pillow. Her pillows. Accuses her of not dating him because he's not rich. And then he confronts her about it. And he's like, I respect that. I'm glad you told- And she's like, not even saying that. And he's like, I'm glad. And he leaves. It's money, isn't it? Yes, of course. That's what you're trying to tell me. It's because I don't have any money. Well, thank you for being so honest. Kirby. It's insane. He gets a job working for a Korean entrepreneur so he can pretend to be rich and important and impress Dale. That scene is so cringe oh. because he gets out of the uh, Mercedes or whatever. He hires Mr. Kim's limo driver to yes. drive him around for a hundred bucks. Yes. I had to grab my huge financial opportunities while I could. It's all about money, right, Dale? Well, good luck. Look, um, I'm throwing a little party at Kim's house on Saturday night. I'd really like to see you there. Thanks, Kirby. I'll try. Good deal. Did you see her face? She'll be there. Mr. Kim finds out you're having a party at his house Saturday night, and you'll be out in the street. No way. He won't be home until Sunday. Besides, there's an extra hundred for you to keep your mouth shut. But he's following her. Yeah. He he sees her and he gets out and she's like, oh, hey, Kirby. 
And he opens the newspaper and he's like, I'm working for Korean business entrepreneur, and Mr. It says Kim. On the front. Yeah, it's on the front page. How did he get a $500 advance? I don't know. And he's like, I'm having a party tonight at Mr. Kim's house. And he invites her. And then he tells the driver, he's like, she's coming. You see her face? Like, she's coming to the party. Hey, she's coming to the party, okay? So when she doesn't show up to the party. Jesus Christ, the flip, it's this, over. This is where he's really starting to show some concerning signs. And yeah. the police probably need to be involved. Get off the phone and open up this goddamn door! Are you the maniac that's been trying to cut in on my line? Oh, of course, I should have known. Where the hell is Dale? She went skiing. Wait a minute, what do you mean, where? Why should I tell you? Because I'm not responsible for what I'll do to you if you don't. He goes to her apartment, and he threatens her roommate in a psychotic way. Oh, Romeo, oh, Romeo, wherefore art that Romeo? You either tell me where she is or something fucking bad's going to yeah. happen to her. He literally said something's bad. Yeah. He's gonna, he threatens murder. He is gonna, He literally told her, mate, you right. either tell me where she is or you're not going to like what happens to you. It's like, <laughs> He's Jesus like, Christ. Remember those pillows I was sniffing? I'm going to sniff your fucking hair. I'm going to suffocate you with one of them. <laughs> He then drives to the mountain. Where is this mountain? Did he drive to Nova Scotia? Where did he go? They go from. They live in fucking Chicago. Yeah, I, I don't. They, Georgetown. So they live in Washington, D.C. Okay. Area. Appalachian Mountains. He went yeah. to Peak and Peak. He drives to the mountain. In a car that cannot drive in snow. She's on a ski trip. With her boyfriend. When, when he finds out she's with another dude, he freaks out. He, runs. he tries to leave. He's <laughs> like a 10 year old. He gets hung up in the snow. You've got no snow tires or chains. You've got no traction. Kirby, please. You're not going to get out of here tonight. Come on inside. I'll stay in the car. He wants to stay in the car. He'll freeze. People have died out here, you know. Like, just leave me alone, all right? Just get away from me and leave me alone. And then he has to stay the night as the third wheel. Clothes should be dry in a few hours. He's a doctor, isn't he? Here's some pajamas. Well, you expect me to wear his pajamas? We're talking in the morning. We might have to contend that Dale and her boyfriend are the worst characters in this movie. Oh. The fucking hindsight. She almost feels sorry for him. All this weird shit she's doing. The boyfriend's even uh, like, hey, why don't you come and we'll get close. I, we'll keep you warm. I think the boyfriend thinks he's a stranger. I think the boyfriend thinks he has mental issues <laughs> and is worried about him. Yeah, I think I think he thinks he's like just somebody who's like got stuck. <laughs> he is literally revving the engine. The wheels are spinning. He's like. Uh, hey, hey, buddy, why don't you come in? We'll yeah. get we'll get your clothes. Fire. First off, he didn't fall in the snow. He doesn't need clothes. Well, she she gives him her boyfriend's clothes and he's like, I'm not fucking wearing those. <laughs> Listen, even before that, before they invites him in, he's like, hey, buddy, why don't you come in? Keep Leave me the fuck alone. Fucking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> psycho, is it? Not so. The next morning, ah. he spends the night and the next morning, he's like, I'm fucking leaving. I'm getting he's, out of here. He's sitting in that chair naked yeah. with a blanket. <laughs> The boyfriend gets him unstuck. The boyfriend's like the hero in all this. Boyfriend gets him unstuck and boyfriend's, hey, you want me to take a picture of you guys? What is with, why does this guy not realize this guy's a fucking nutbag? Uh, honey, I'll get the camera and we'll take a photo of you guys, okay? I don't really know you that well, but you seem like a fine person. And I want you to know that I'm flattered by all this. And deep down, I'm sure for a long time, I'll wonder if maybe somehow 
This isn't my loss. Seriously, <laughs> if you don't get the vibe that he wants to fuck your girlfriend or so, murder her. So he takes a picture, a Polaroid of them, and then he goes in for something. I don't remember what it is. And she goes, she says to him, and this is a very pivotal moment because she says to him something like, I think she's just being polite. And she says, you know, Kirby, I, I get the feeling I'm making a mistake by not giving you a chance, but I'm sorry, whatever. Gives him a kiss on the cheek. She doesn't know it, but I think she just saved both her and her boyfriend's life. Kevin, she doesn't kiss him on the cheek. He grabs her, yes. dips her down, and then lays one on yes. her right before the boyfriend comes out with a Polaroid that she keeps, and the Polaroid is off-center. <laughs> They did. They took the fucking camera shot from the yeah. side. I mean, it does. And then he drives away. He's like, <laughs> yeah. He's like a a very. He has like a very psychotic look. <laughs> and then after all that, he's normal. Again. I have a theory. Joel Schumacher directed this, and then he directed Falling Down. I think the character in Falling Down is Kirby grown up. Oh my God. And I, then he becomes the Riddler. Yeah. I think it's Kirby grown up. In retrospect now, I think if you take this whole weird Kirby thing out of this movie, yeah. it's a fine movie. Yeah. With fucked up friends. Have Kirby, like, I mean, he's working his, why can't Kirby just be like, hey, you know, Alec has this, they have this, she's a banker, he works for the Washington Post. Listen, I'm working my way yeah. into law school. Why couldn't he just been that? Mm-hmm. He's the like the poorest one of the group, but everybody likes Kirby. Why does he have to be a fucking serial killer? Well, he's also a serial killer because he's the one that gets a job at the place at St. Elmo's Bar. Yeah. Why? Why? Because he's scouting they, for women he the, can kill. Exactly. At the end of the episode, they or at the end of the movie, they mention the other let's go to Basilios, whatever yeah. it's called. They want to go to the other. Yeah, it's like Fud Ruckers. Yeah, or something. And, and they're like, let's go to Fud Ruckers. It's less, quiet there. Less kids there. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck are you guys? You just graduated six months ago. But it's like, less kids there. Why didn't Kirby go get a job there? I don't know. Why did he get a job at St. Elmo's Bar? I think it would have been great as the boyfriend runs into the lodge to get a camera that a fucking hand of her roommate pops out of the car <laughs> and then shit gets real. Yeah. And then St. Elmo's fire trunk, actually happens. His trunk is. Banging on his trunk. Help! Don't you think Emilio Estevez would have played a great serial oh, killer? Oh, it'd been amazing. It'd been great. It'd been amazing. So I know things were a lot different in the 80s, but even at the time, doesn't this just seem like it would have like I want to do the um the edit, you know, where people edit a movie like Mrs. Doubtfire into yeah. a horror trailer? I want to turn Saint Elmo's Fire into a horror movie. It's called Kerbo. It's called Kerbo. Exactly. <laughs> A couple other logic issues uh, beyond what we just mentioned. All seven of them traveling in a Jeep, which is bad enough, but then they all stand up while yeah. they're moving. <laughs> It's crazy. Jules, she goes all in on Billy Idol. Yeah. She has his face painted on an entire her wall, wall in her apartment. It's like an eight foot Billy Idol. And doesn't really let on that she's a fan of Billy Idol. That, no. And we need to talk about this about Jules. So she decides to freeze herself to death. Yeah. I, Interesting. I don't know. And also, why does she have bars on the windows? I don't know that either. That I mean, makes, it's just. You figure she has money. That's going to be an upscale apartment. No. With her interior decorator best friend yeah. who tries. She, she tries, tries to, to hook up with Kevin. Kevin? Yeah. Do they ever set up the baby mama thing? No, they never set they it up. They never it just, set poof. it up. It's like we're missing a scene because you find out not only does Billy have a wife, but they have a baby, but they've not been married long enough because she mentions I can get an annulment. Because there's another guy who said he would take her away and they could get married. Yeah. 
And it's like, how do, it's like we're missing some scenes. The one scene that's weird with that, though, is after they get into the fight at the bar, they take it outside, they get into a fight. Billy just calls her basically a whore and a fucking yeah. bitch. So Hollywood from Top Gun tries to beat the shit out yeah. of him more. And then out of nowhere, they start making out with each other while blood streams down uh-huh. his face. Weird. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And how about how weird of a scene is it? We didn't mention it. But he how, still believes. How weird, how weird of a scene is it when he goes back to his, his dorm room uh, or his, his, his fraternity? Yeah. He just walks across and they're like, hey, guys. Well, I can't remember his last name, but they're like, it's Billy fucking Steele, whatever his name is. <laughs> and, uh, well, I like when he's trying to get his shit together. He asks the one kid who was in school, he's like, hey, man, can I get yeah. a job there? Yeah, sure. Well, we can get you a job here. We need somebody to give us the drugs. Yeah. Troy, man, I was thinking that maybe I could, I could get a job on campus. Okay. The students, you know, the fraternity, coaching, anything. Oh, yeah, we could use somebody like you around here, Billy. Really? Yeah, we need somebody to get us some good drugs, man. Come on, let's go play some ball. Come on, Bill. It's like, Jesus, yeah, man. It's it's pretty sad. And then the last thing I'll mention, when Kirby's boss, Mr. Kim, comes home to find the remnants of the party and asks where Kirby is, Wendy says, Where is Kirby Kager? Um... He took my new car. He took my new car. But why did she have to specify to say it was her new car? Yeah. Mr. Kim doesn't care. First off, why did Mr. Kim, why was there no form of any retribution against Kirby? I know. You have people literally laying in his house, probably dead. Billy had this job. Yeah. That's how Kirby knew about it. Yep. Billy fucked some girls in the hot tub at Mr. Kim's house and Mr. Kim came home and then Kirby gets a job and it's like, I want this job so bad. Yeah. Because at the time in 1985, it was $500 a week. Yeah. And it was. And probably under the table. And it was probably under the table and it was make sure nothing happens to my car, make sure nothing happens to my house. And that's like it. That's it. That's that's the easiest job. That's it. Ever. You get to live in a mansion all week. Fucking Kerbo literally used it for one day he, he to wanted try it. to prove yes. I'm awesome, Dale. Yeah. He tried to impress Dale and she didn't give a shit. She just wanted to go skiing. He needed snow. Like he needed like snow machine. What if she would have said actually that's why she's so impressed by Ned Connors making the uh ice sculpture because <laughs> see in Andy McDowell movie she's impressed by snow in winter. Did you say Ned Connors? Is that his name? Is it Bill Connors? Bill Mur- Bill Murray. Yeah. I think it's it's Ned. No. No. Ned I'm thinking of Ned, Ned Ryerson. Ryerson. His name's Isn't it Bill Connors? It's Connors. Take just look Connors. it up real quick. I'm going to look it up real quick. Here's another thing. Would they have been able to just, or Dale, to diffuse the entire situation? Oh, Kirby, I'm flattered, but I have a boyfriend. She doesn't mention once that he, she has a boyfriend. No, so she's probably a shitty character too. Yeah. Because she likes the attention. His name's Phil Connors. That's it, Phil. She likes uh, CM Phil. She likes the attention from Kirby, but wants to have her cake and eat it too. Yeah. And you know if Kirby started dating her and bringing her around, Billy would just try and fuck her anyway. Pretty much. And she'd probably do it. Who yeah. knows? get pregnant so all right you anything else you want to say about this movie I, listen it was better with the second viewing but the whole kirby thing needs to cut it's if you crazy. cut that whole thing out of the movie it's a better movie it's crazy so we need to workshop this but i think we we may or may not jim wants to riff something on my fine scale yeah so i think movies can be just fine and by being just fine it actually makes them really good because they don't have to be extravagant or over the top or have a huge budget yeah. they can just be a, a fine, fine movie yeah There are movies, the one we're covering next week, which like should, like they're so bad, they're good, but it's so bad, it's just bad. It's not good. It's not good. There's nothing redeeming about it. There are movies that are good and they're good because they're good. There are movies that are just fine. There are movies that are bad with no redeeming.
redeeming qualities. And then there are bad movies that are unnecessary, are so crazy that they're good. Yeah. So I, we're going to workshop and we're going to put in some sort of where does it fall in my fine scale. Uh, as far as legacy, it's the Brat Pack movie. Yep. I mean, it is. There's, it's the worst Brat Pack. When movie. you look at that table I mentioned on Wikipedia of who was in what together, there are some Brat Pack movies that I have not heard of or not like, seen. Which ones? Let me reference a couple. Yeah, because I can't remember what the other Brat Pack movies were. Or even if there was like an ancillary Brat Pack movie, which right. I'd be like, that's not a Brat Pack movie. According to the Wikipedia table, the Brat Pack movies are The Outsiders, which Estevez, uh, Rob Lowe, Matt Dillon, Patrick Swayze, Tom Cruise, C. Thomas Howell, Ralph Macchio. Oh, I disagree. You don't think it's a Brat Pack movie? No. I don't either. I don't think so. Class in 1983, Rob Lowe. Yes, Andrew, Andrew McCarthy. McCarthy. I told you about that movie. John Cusack. Excellent. So I would say that's the first. 16 Candles. Definitely. Which had Molly. Anthony Michael Hall, Molly Ringwald, John and Joan John Cusack, Cusack, Jamie Gertz, Oxford Blues, Rob Lowe, and Ali Sheedy. Never heard of that one. Breakfast Club. Of course, everybody. Um, St. Elmo's Fire. Yep. Pretty in Pink. Yep. Blue City. Never heard of Blue City. Which had Judd Nelson and Ali Sheedy. About Last Night, which is a big one that gets mentioned. It's true. Rob Lowe, Demi Moore, and that's it. Wisdom, which Emilio Estevez plays someone named John Wisdom. Cool. <laughs> Excellent. And Demi Moore is in that one. And then Charlie Sheen has an uncredited cameo. Fresh Horses, <laughs> which has Andrew McCarthy. Kirby got his revenge. And Molly Ringwald. All right. And horses. then the last one is Betsy's Wedding, Slapford which has that. Demi Moore and Ali Sheedy. Uh, I don't know. And then other ones that are maybe contributed. Hex, 1982, Emilio S.O.S., Matt Dillon, War Games, Bad Boys. Bad Boys is an insane movie yeah. with Sean Penn. I would say no in that one. Repo Man, no. No Small Affair, Demi Moore, John Cryer. Heaven Help Us with Andrew McCarthy and Mary Stuart Masterson. Weird Science, I would count. Yeah. Because Anthony Michael Hall, Robert Downey Jr. It's true. And then, yeah, I would count that one. One Crazy Summer, I wouldn't count. No. That's not a Brat Pack Young movie. Blood? No. Probably not. Pickup Artist? I mentioned this movie to you. This is the craziest movie I've ever seen. I remember seeing it as a kid. Robert Downey Jr., Molly Ringwald. Yes. Less Than Zero. Robert Downey Jr., Andrew McCarthy, Cocaine City. Jamie Gertz, James Spader. Yep. Mannequin? Uh, I don't count Mannequin. Johnny Be Good, Anthony Michael Hall, and Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Young Guns? And that's where the Kiefer. Kiefer Sutherland, because it's Emilio, Charlie Sheen, Kiefer. Don't count it. Kansas? Andrew McCarthy, Matt Dillon. No. We're No Angels, Demi Moore, Sean Penn, Young Guns 2. Bad Influence with Rob Blow and James Spade. Rob Blow? <laughs> Rob Blow. This is where it gets weird. Uh, Red Dawn, which C. Thomas Howe, Jennifer Grey, Charlie Sheen, Harry Dean Stanton, Patrick Swayze, Lee Thompson. No. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. No. And Lost Boys, I know. So I'm thinking, when I think Brad Pack, I think 16 Candles Breakfast Club, Weird Science, this. What's the other one I'm missing? Pretty in Pink, I would say, is a Brat Pack Did movie. Did you say Class? Class, I would say that's the first. But the thing is, though, with Class, not that many people saw it. It's on Tubi. It's a great movie. I'd like for us to cover it. I would say that's the first Brat Pack movie. Yeah, I would almost just say the John Hughes movies. Yeah, I think that's John the Hughes easiest. movies and then maybe this, you know, and a yeah, couple I, others. the like, easiest one. All right. Well, that's pretty much the legacy. So let's stick around for some plugs. 
Hey, this is Angela, your lifeguard, and you're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Pool Sceners, once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the show and all of the other ones in our back catalog. And you can find those on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay, and wherever you get your podcast from, because we are there. And never forget to like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow on Facebook. Join the Pool Sceners group for exclusive content. You will get it there first. Instagram. Instagram, Twitch, Threads, TikTok, and YouTube at Pool Scene Podcast. We are all over the place, so you will never get one opportunity to miss us anytime, anywhere. And as always, back to Kevin. Final lab guy, you're you're something of a man in motion. Yeah, the final lap. All right, Jim, something something I hate Uh-oh. very much, that, and we, we mentioned, uh, teased it a little bit at the beginning. All right. By 2032, all McDonald's locations are eliminating self-serve beverages. They've already started it. They have started it, but fuck that. The dumbest possible shit imaginable. They will replace employees with touchscreens, but God forbid someone gets a soda in a water <laughs> cup or someone gets a second <laughs> refill. Because here's the thing. If I need a refill, you have to have an employee at the counter who gets me that refill that's right yeah it's insane and and when you look at the cost of and someone correct me if i'm wrong but the way i've always understood it if you look at the cost of fountain beverages yeah relative water you know carbonated water the soda syrup and but the the cost that adds up the straws the cups the lids you know but that's why refills it does you're not out you're off you're charging you know sodas at places now are like three dollars it's ridiculous unless you go to mcdonald's which does have dollar still dollar 29 whatever but you're making your money even if somebody gets six refills i did inventory at restaurants trying to order those like bags of pop they don't cost much no they don't and no, with, it's almost with, a write-off with how much they serve you're making a lot of money it's yeah. it's infuriating because this is just a capitalist thing it's all it is because again you will eliminate you know uh, it's the next step is going to be no refills i mean no refills no refills at all yeah because we don't want to have people working here so no refills well, mcdonald's is becoming more and more depressing well they're not really giving a reason yet the only reason being is that they said less and less people are dining in that's true and they're getting food taking it home but they're literally wrapping it up so they don't have to pay labor anymore that's all it is they are but then yeah. again it's it's contradictory to say no self-serve i mean i'm sure it's in i'm supportive of this maybe in large cities if yeah. they if they don't want people to just walk in and, and serve themselves which you know I, i'm sure happens yeah then i get that but the idea of you have to have an employee who's there and i tell you what if i go to the counter and i'm like hey I need a refill. And if there's not anyone there and it's going to take five minutes, I'm just going to give up and not get one. Yeah. You know, that's what they want. Infuriating. I hate this idea. And it's getting worse and worse. It's going to this. I'm sure other places are going to get on board. I don't like going into McDonald's and ordering from that fucking self-serve kiosk because it takes way more time. Yeah. It doesn't give you the options you can easily use on the app on the phone that they want you to use or just me asking somebody. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't know. I, in some places I'm totally fine to do a mobile order or something, pick it up. Not have to talk to anybody, not have to deal with anybody. Ordering on a touchscreen, depending, you know, because like sometimes you'll go into a place and they're like, you have to order on touchscreen. And then there's like fucking eight people deep yeah. to order from the touchscreen. I'm like, this sucks. And then sometimes the touchscreens don't fucking work. Yeah. Right. And then 
then I turn into Kirby. Or they don't give you a receipt or no. the, or it's like, you know, the payment method's not working. Please come to the counter. It's like, I could have done that in the first place. And they've almost eliminated the counter entirely. Yeah. There's no counter. It is, I, I feel like McDonald's, the structure of the new ones, because, because they did. So the McDonald's time at work never did have a refill station. And so they remodeled it. They like tore it down, built it again. And I, I assumed they wouldn't have, they wouldn't like add it. But then McDonald's, the world's worst McDonald's in my neighborhood, they used to have refills like yeah. a self-serve beverage station. And then when they rebuilt that one, they eliminated Got it. Got rid of it. There's another one, the one on 46 in Niles. Got yeah. rid of theirs. Those McDonald's, they put up this extra wall on the counter. Like yeah, I where you that. pick up like uh, your food and it feels very unwelcoming. Oh yeah. Cause it feels like we are putting up a wall between us and yeah. you. Fuck like you. It's um, my McDonald's still great. Yeah. Your McDonald's is awesome. Love my McDonald's. I have no problem with your McDonald's. Yep. It's not quite the McDonald's I went to in Rhode Island. Oh, you true. The McDonald's I went to in Rhode Island. I dream about self-serve sauce yeah. station where you could just pump whatever sauce. I'm like, I've never seen that at a McDonald's. Probably never will again. It's now. amazing. Now it's probably you get one motherfucker, yeah. one packet. Yeah. Now they give you a code and it's like you enter the code and it puts out you better be ready because it squirts <laughs> out one little drop better give me that packet or i'm gonna fucking kill you <laughs> yes kirby, Thanks, kirbo kirby works there he's still still a waiter <laughs> um <laughs> Same uh, McDonald's fire. I um yeah, so I just don't like where the the future is headed. No, um, we talked about robots last week replacing things, but this is what voodoo to me. This is one of those things where I think enough people need to come forward and shame McDonald's to you be should. like, do not do this. But they're smart because they're not like we're starting it this year. They're like it's going to be by twenty thirty two. Except now, like I followed like a McDonald's collectors page and people are putting it up like it's spreading like a virus now, man. Get that coke while you can. I'm gonna start going and taking the uh, big the big coaches. I'm just going to take a gas can and fill it and just drink out I of this. I see people doing that shit in the gas stations. Sometimes. Which, how is that safe? I don't I Like, don't these know. assholes are just spraying the shit everywhere. Yeah. Smoking a dart, which even yeah. a better idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, next week, as bad as this one is, next week's movie is worse. Yeah. It's um, unnecessary. It's not unnecessary. Fine. It's not fine. <laughs> Everything. Nothing is ever fine. <laughs> it's not fine. Empire Records. All right. Until uh, next week, Silencia.